I won the Sunday school. My watch stopped. So that means I don't know when I start or when I stop. Usually a good indication is when I look out and somebody's doing this. Don't worry, we know what time it is. And, uh, the restaurant will not run out of food before you get there. I'm in John chapter 6. I'm going to look at the first 13 verses. A story probably familiar to everybody here. It's the feeding of the 5,000. The Bible says, after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him, because they saw his miracles, which he did on them, that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There's a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Father, bless this time we're going to spend looking at the events here and and Lord, applying what we see to our lives as believers. We know you didn't give us these scriptures, just nice stories. You gave them to us that we could learn from them. Help us today clean to understand what you want us to know. What you want to teach us from this out. And help us as you teach us to be willing to surrender, submit, to you and your will. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hold your place there. Go over to Mark chapter 16. The Bible says there, Jesus speaking, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. 
You don't have to go there, but I'm going to read Matthew chapter 28. Verses 19 and 20. Once again, Jesus, giving instruction to his disciples, says, Go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Go ye into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. I'm going to read Acts 1.8. And these are all final commands of Jesus just before he ascends back to heaven. Commands for his people, those who know him, in verse 8, chapter 1 of Acts, he says, But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both, or simultaneously, in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Statistics tell us the population of the world is somewhere near 7.8 billion people. I'm sure for you like me, that is, that is a number just very hard to grasp. to really get the meaning. A billion. A billion is a thousand million. Before I move on, you might want to keep these numbers in your head, not just for what we're talking about, but when you hear the government wants to spend a billion or a trillion, 1,000 million, that's a billion. I want to try to help you to, I don't know, recognize the magnitude of this billion. The magnitude of 7 billion, 7.8 billion people in our world. If you took a million square inches, a square inch is an inch by an inch. If you took one million square inches, put them together, it would equal 0.16 of an acre. Or, say it another way, one-sixth of an acre if you had a million square inches. Now, to reference that in your mind, my yard is three quarters of an acre. Most of you have a quarter or half acre lot that your house sits on. So if you had a million square inches, that would only equal one-sixth of an acre. If you had a billion square inches, it would be just shy of 160 acres. A million, one-sixth of an acre, 
a billion, 160 acres. A million seconds equals 12 days. A billion seconds equals 31 years. If the population of New York City was 10 million, it's probably not, probably closer to eight, but if it was 10 million, you would have to have 1,000 New York cities to have seven billion, or to have a billion people. It's amazing that we talk about all these people, and yet we can't imagine the masses of people in this world. You know, we think America's getting crowded. How many of you ever feel that way? Man, America's getting crowded. If my numbers are right, we only have about 375 million people. That's a third of a billion. And then we have China and we have India that have, well, India is going to overtake China, but I think China has something like three or four billion. But I want you to grasp this concept of how many people there are in the world. 7.8 billion. And I want you to understand that God loves every one of them and wants to save them. The Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. That means everybody. I said, I said that because I want to drive home the reality of how many people live on this orb we call earth. And I want you to grasp that because I want you to grasp the enormity of the job God has assigned to us. We who are believers have been commanded by God to take the gospel message around the world and more specifically to every creature. 7.8 billion people and God says you're to take the gospel to every one of them. My first thought, probably yours, is how in the world are we supposed to do that? Humanly speaking, that's an impossible task. Where would we ever get the money? Where would we get the manpower? There are 7.8 billion people. Now watch this next number. There are only 620 million evangelical Christians in the world. 7.8 billion to be reached and we have 620 million 
evangelical Christians. That means everybody who, who, who says they believe the Bible and preach salvation like we do. We're far outnumbered. In the text we've read for today, we find the very simple answer to our dilemma. How in the world are we supposed to do that? Here's the story of Jesus feeding 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes. The fact is, take Jesus out of the equation, humanly speaking, using the resources they had, it was an impossible task. By the way, we believe there was more than 5,000. That was men. We believe there were women and children there. If each man had a wife, now we're up to 10,000. If each of them had one child, we're up to 15,000. And here comes Andrew, and he says, we've gone all through the crowd. That's in the Greek. All we found was five loaves and two fishes this lad had for his lunch. And then he says this. He says, what are they among so many? Here, oh, here's what we have. Here's all the resources we have. This don't make a drop in the bucket to what we need. What is this among so many? The job is so big to feed all these people and we only have five loaves and two fishes. In essence, he's saying it's hopeless. There's just no way. But as I read this, I see that the dilemma they face there is the same dilemma we face today. It's really very simple. The need is more than we can handle. There's seven billion people who need to hear about Christ. It's more than we can handle. We're far outnumbered. Our resources are limited. And in our own humanity, it's a hopeless situation. See, the dilemma, the problem is the same. But I submit to you this morning, so is the answer. We read this story and we find out that they had some resource. A lad had a lunch, five loaves, two fish. That lad surrendered what he had. They took it to Jesus. And when it, when it was given to Jesus, he now took what was not enough, what couldn't do the job, and he multiplied it. And he fed everybody. Not only that, he had leftovers. 
See, today, the answer to our dilemma is the same as it was for the 5,000 who were hungry. You see, I believe the answer to our dilemma is that each of us has to come to a place where we're willing to yield the little we have. Put the little we have in the hands of Jesus. Because he can take the little that we have and he can multiply it in a miraculous way to accomplish the impossible. You see, I believe the problem today is that too many believers refuse to surrender the little they have. Or, no doubt, a lot of believers think my little isn't going to make a difference. The fact is this. God's plan is to take the little that each of us has and he's going to use it to meet the need of the lost multitudes of the world. So there's a question we have to ask ourselves this morning. Have I surrendered the little that I have? Hey, we're not talking about just your money. Though we're in missions time and we're looking to fit. No, we're talking about the little that you have to offer. Have you surrendered it to him? And put it in his hands. That he can take it now and multiply it. And use it. You know, we often preach on this lad and his surrendering his lunch. And I think that's good. But have you ever thought about, what if he didn't? What if when the problem arose, the lad just said, they ain't getting my lunch. Won't do much good anyway. And he just held on to it. I wonder what would happen to those people. We as believers have to be willing to give the little we have to the Lord. Seven billion, 7.8 billion people need the Lord. What can I do? How can I? Why? Why do we need to surrender? Because it's the only way we're going to accomplish the impossible task. It's God's way. We need to surrender our little bit because of circumstances of the multitudes. Here in this story, the multitude has a desperate need. You know, this is one of the only miracles recorded in all four Gospels. Hello? There's only a couple of that are recorded in all four Gospels. This is one of them. 
The others give us different information, add to. But when we put them all together, we understand they're in a desert, desolate, wilderness-type place. They're in a place where there's no food available. They've apparently been there for the whole day, maybe more than that. It's now supper time. They're hungry. They're needy. But there's no way for them to help themselves. They had no ability to meet their own need. There was no McDonald's or Taco Bell or Wendy's or place to run to. And Peter said it, even if you could buy 200 penny worth of bread, that wouldn't be enough to satisfy them. It shows you the futility of the situation, the desperateness. They were in desperate need. And I believe they were in danger. I believe they were beyond hungry. We might say famished. I won't ask if anybody here has ever been beyond hungry. I won't ask because we don't know what that is. Well, teenagers do. If they haven't eaten in two hours, they're beyond hungry. They're famished. But I believe these folks have been out there all day with nothing to eat. And they're not just hungry. They're hungry. We've all been there. I'm so hungry I can eat a horse. And I thought about probably some of them were getting weak. Some of them might have been getting sick. I thought about, you've probably realized this, when people get hungry, they get irritable. We got 15,000 men who are hungry. I can't help but wonder if there weren't some fights going on. I think they were in danger. Some might even die in the wilderness. I said all that because I want you to think about this. The multitudes of the world today are in desperate need and in danger spiritually. They're lost and on their way to hell. Let that sink in. They're marching. Not to Zion. That picture portrays it. They're marching day by day, step by step to that place we call hell. Unless somebody gets to them with the gospel, that's where they're going to end up. These multitudes we're talking about are sinners before God. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that means everybody, every man, woman, child ever born is a sinner. The only exception was Jesus Christ. We've all come from Adam. We've inherited Adam's sin. We're sinners. 
Ezekiel 18, in verse 4 and verse 20, both say, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. Not just physical death, though that's a part of it, but spiritual death. And that means to be eternally separated from God. That's, that's, that's what man's deserving sentence is. The wages. It's what we deserve. They're sinners condemned to hell. Not only that, they're blinded to their need by Satan. Go over to 2 Corinthians. Chapter 4. Look at verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world, you know who that is? The prince and the power of the air? That's Satan. When he sinned, God cast him out of heaven down to this world. And he's the God of this world. He has great power and authority in this world right now. One day that will end. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Listen. They're dead in their sins. They're on their way to hell and they don't even understand it. Satan's blinded them. I heard a preacher yesterday talking about how, how Satan has blinded people about death. Especially in America. You go to a, a funeral where they have a viewing. And the undertaker has, has done everything he can do to make that person look alive. And they have special lights for the color and everything and, and all. And people go by and say, don't he look good? Well, she looks wonderful. And I think, no, they look dead. <laughs> and Satan has, has told people, death's not so bad. You go to that luncheon after the funeral. And here people are sitting around and they're saying, oh, ho, ho, Aunt Sally's having a ball now. She's dancing like she loved to dance here. And she's just having a ball. You know, she loved to do that square dance. I'll bet she's going to square dance forever. No, unless she was saying she's going to burn in hell forever. Well, old Uncle Charlie, he liked to eat. I bet he's having a big old meal now. And I bet he's enjoying. No, he's not enjoying himself. But that's what Satan tells him. Blinded to their need. In Ephesians 2.12, it says, Having no hope and without God in the world. These folks need Christ. They need the gospel. They need to hear the message.
They need to hear that they can be saved, they can have their sins forgiven. Paul said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To the Jew first and also to, the, to them that believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. But Romans 10, 17 says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. See, the only way they're going to get saved is somebody's going to have to take the word of God to them. These 5,000, they're in a wilderness. There's, there's no food, there's no place to get food. There's, they're in a place of no hope, no ability to help themselves. That's the same place the world is today. They're in spiritual wilderness with a great need, no way to, to rectify it. And then we, we need to give the little we have because of the compassion of the Master. We read here how Jesus, in Mark chapter 6, he tells the story, and he says, when Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them. Jesus was moved with compassion. He was stirred in his heart for their need. He was burdened because of the need. He saw their plight. They're out here and they're hungry and there's nowhere to get food. And he was moved to do something about it. He cared. He was concerned. He desired to help them. And he took action. He said to his disciples, what do we have here? I kind of paraphrased it. I think he got them together and I think he said, fellas, how are we going to feed these folks? Where can we buy enough bread to feed them all? But it's interesting, when he said that, the Bible says he already knew what he would do. And we read here how he took the little that they had had and he, he used it now to meet the need of all those people. I thought about that and I thought how Jesus' compassion caused him to take action to meet the need of all the people in the world. See, that's why he went to the cross. The multitudes are lost in sin. They have no way of salvation. He has compassion. God has compassion. He don't want people to die and go to hell. So Jesus came. He lived a sinless life. He allowed those Romans to beat him and mock him and nail him to a cross. And he shed his blood and he died. And he did all that because we had a need. And the multitudes have a need that they can't, they can't do anything about. We can't save ourselves. The 7.8 billion people in the world can't save themselves. They have a need they can do nothing about. But Jesus came and he made a way. In John 3 verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life.
Romans 5, 8. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And John tells us he died for the sins of the whole world. And then we need to surrender our little because of the method of the master. Look what he did. Matthew tells us, he told the disciples, when they said, we have five loaves and two fishes, he said, bring them to me. I think there we see Jesus requiring that they surrender the little they had to him by faith. Five loaves, two fishes. And this lad had to willingly give it up. And I think it's interesting that Jesus limited himself to using just those five loaves and two fishes. What do you mean? Have you ever thought about this? Jesus could have turned the rocks into bread. Not a problem for him. Jesus could have had the very angels of heaven come down and feed the multitude. He had that authority, he had that power. He could have had the birds to come and bring food. He did that for Elijah. The ravens came and fed him. Wouldn't have been a problem. He could have had the wind blow and just carry food in. He had all the resources in the universe available to him. But he chose to use what was surrendered to him. He chose to use human agency. That's the method of the master. You see, We find him here using men who willingly surrendered. The boy willingly surrendered his lunch. Now Jesus takes that and he begins to multiply it. So now the provision's being made. But how's it going to get to the people? Human agency. Jesus is multiplying and making enough. But somebody's got to take it to the people. Hello. Well, who did that? Disciples. He had the men sit down in groups and the disciples took the food to them. You getting the message? You see, God has chosen to use human agency to make his provision of salvation or to take the the provision of salvation to the needy multitudes. God could have wrote it in the stars. God could have sent it with the animals. God could have had the birds of heaven to deliver the God. No, God chose human agency to be the vehicle to take the message. He uses those who will surrender themselves to him.
By the way, let me remind you. God don't need great ability. He don't need great talent. He don't need great intelligence. Hallelujah. He don't need good looks. I made a little note here. The only ability God needs is availability. We have been chosen by God to carry the message of salvation to the multitudes, to the unsaved people of the world. He wants to use us, but he will not force us. He looks for us to surrender. I'll go. I'll witness. I'll teach a Sunday school class. I'll run a bus route. Whatever you want, Lord. I'm surrendering. I'll even go to the mission field. Uh oh. Which missionary was it just told us he told God he'd go anywhere but Africa? I could understand that. They got snakes in Africa. We need to surrender because of the ability of the master. What do you mean there? Very simply. He can take our little and make it a lot. I said he don't need abilities or talents or, or, or intelligence or anything of that nature. All he needs is a willing heart. He can supply the rest. He can make us able. He can give us whatever talent we need. He can even make us intelligent. Intelligent enough to preach the gospel. But he needs surrender. We read how he took this lad's lunch. And you know, God delights in taking the little we have and doing great and mighty things with it. See, because when that happens, we don't get the glory. Hello? We only gave a little. We don't get the glory. He gets the glory. Oh, we read in the Bible about people like Gideon. Gideon is 300 men who defeated that great Midianite army. And who got the glory? God did. We read about David when he slays Goliath. Who got the glory? David told Goliath, I come in the name of my God. Peter, James, and John, fishermen. The Bible says they were unlearned men. And it also says these are the ones who turned the world upside down. Why? They gave them the little bit they had, they were available. I read about a lady who years ago, many years ago, was packing a box to send it off to India. And a youngster came by and gave her a little bit of money, just a couple pennies. And she used them to buy tracks. 
And she included a track in that box going to India. As a result of that box going to India, that track eventually found its way into the hands of a Burmese chief. And the man came to Christ. And after he got saved, this chief started telling people about what happened to him and about his new God and his great happiness. And because of that, many of his friends believed. And they gave up their idols. And pretty soon there was a church established and a missionary outpost and over 1,500 people were saved. The one took the little bit and invested it. Sometimes we think, I'm just not able, I don't have much to offer. Do you realize that D.L. Moody, a man God used to supposedly win millions, to shake America and Europe for Christ, D.L. Moody. But as you read about him, you find out he was not a particularly handsome man in appearance. He apparently did not have a great vocabulary. He was not a scholar. I don't know that he had any real college type education. But he was a man who simply gave God the little bit he had. And God mightily used him. By the way, he was a shoe salesman. When he gave God his life. I'm not talking about just got saved. He was saved, but he gave God his life. It wasn't much. But look what God did with it. God wants to multiply our little. One more thing. We need to give the little we have because the calamity of our refusal. See, when we sit and sour, (laughs) no, that's not right. When we sit and hang on to our little The world continues to die and go to hell. I didn't get the number I have in the past. You go on a computer, they'll give you a number of how many people die every hour, every day in this world. And you know, when you get that number, you can't help but wonder. How many of them ended up in hell? And how many of them ended up there without ever hearing the gospel? I can't help but wonder how many Americans are sitting in church pews who God has called Called to go, called to serve, called to give up their little so he could use it and multiply it. And they've refused. I wonder how many people in our church. have refused 
to give God the little you have. We ain't much. You understand that? We ain't much. But God can take our little bit and multiply it and do something with it. Are you burdened for the multitudes? Do you care? I was watching Penn State last night. I've been to their stadium. Full capacity, it'll hold over 108,000 people. I think the last time we went, they had 106,000 plus. And here my wife and I sit down and I believe I said this to her. I know I thought it. And I probably said it to her. Wouldn't it be great to preach to this crowd? You just wonder how many of these people are going to die and go to hell. Do you get those kind of thoughts? When the missionary comes and, and shows their, their DVDs of, of people in the foreign lands, is your heart burdened? I've said many times, God don't just love Americans. He loves the masses. And he wants to save them. but he's chosen to use humans. And so he needs some people who just say, Lord, you can have my little. I'll surrender myself. My time, my talents, my money. I put it in your hands. Use me. Let me be a help in meeting the needs of the unsaved here and there. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Someone wrote this poem. God has no hands but our hands to do his work today. God has no feet but our feet to lead others in his way. God has no voice but our voice to tell others how he died. God has no help but our help to lead them to his side. Human agency. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want to talk to Christians now, saved folks. How many in this room who are saved would say, preacher, I'm not just saved, I'm surrendered. I have given God whatever I have for him to use. I want him to use me to meet the need of the multitudes. Here's my hand. I've surrendered. I've given him my little, not much. Put it down. I wonder how many believers here today could not raise their hand and say, Preacher, I'm doing that today. Right now, Right here. I'm giving my little that I have to God and asking Him to use it, use me to meet the need of the multitudes. Here's my hand. That's my prayer today. Hands are going up. 
I see hands going up. You can put it down. Somebody else. I want God to use me. As best I know how I'm putting myself in his hands. And whatever I have. My time, my talents, my money, my whatever. Here's my hand. Anyone else? Thank you. God bless you. One more question. Are you saved? Do you know for sure if you died right now, you'd go to heaven? If not, would you allow us the privilege of taking the Bible and showing you how you can know for sure you're going to heaven when you die? Your sins are forgiven. How you can accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you'd allow us that privilege, would you raise your hand right now? I won't call your name. You say, I'd like somebody to do that. Take the Bible and show me how I can be saved. Here's my hand. Let's stand together. Miss Hunziker is going to play a song of invitation. You need to come today. Go ahead and start playing. You need to come today. Just come. Just come.